Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the fantasy football playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard. Blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication. And we are pleased to announce what you must have seen on Twitter by now, but we are releasing on June the 1st. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book. And it is currently on pre-sale. So get it cheaper before it goes up on June the 1st. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the fantasy football playbook. everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk yo what's happening rush nation we're back it's the end of the week and we've got an absolute legend of a guest today former scout director of player personnel front office executive general manager owner of not one not two but three super bowl rings the author of gridiron genius writer for the athletic and co-host of the gm shuffle podcast it's michael lombardi michael welcome to five yard rush how you doing i am doing great thank you very much i appreciate you having me it's always uh, good to talk about to talk to podcasts on the other side of the pond so i appreciate you having me uh, it's, it's a real pleasure. You know, we've uh, we've done a couple of hundred podcasts. We've had about a hundred guests, and I must say, your uh, your intro uh, spoiler alert, pulling the curtain back. I tend to write these shows in, in advance to write the intro, and yours is probably the hardest to write because you're so accomplished. And I feel like 
there's so many <laughs> things I could have added to that, and I could, yeah. <laughs> obviously I couldn't. Some some people might look at they might look at accomplished, or they might look I've had too many jobs. Like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, like he's a writer, he's in football. Like, there must be something wrong. He has a lot of jobs. You know. <laughs> Uh, listen, as, as someone who frequently changes jobs in, in my industry, you tend to change jobs every 18 months to two years. When you're in a results uh, business, that's what happens. You you change jobs. The parameters change. Your reward and recognition changes. Like you, It's it's just part of – it's just a different different way of life. Yeah, and, and I mean, for me, I'm, a, I'm 60 years old. I, I wanted to have a second career, and I think that in football, because of the way it's set up, a lot of younger, you know, the more experience you get, you would think the more people would covet your services. But in the NFL, it's a back-end loaded system. So the more you have experience, the less they want you. And so I wanted to have a second career, not necessarily in typically in the NFL. So the writing really was what I really wanted to do. And I, and I view myself more as a writer now than anything. Yeah, and you, you do an amazing job with that um, in terms of gridiron genius. I know you've got another. Uh, another book on the way any any sort of sneak previews to when that might be out and, and what it might entail uh, or is that completely under wraps i'm working on it now um it's a book about how to observe the non-obvious it's about you know uh all my books i think they need to play on sports and but then relate them to business so this one's going to be about why people make decisions that everybody says is ridiculous and when they're all looking at the same thing and yet you know, after review, the person who was solving non-obvious and no one else did. And it happens in all sectors of life. It happens in business. It happened in football. I mean, Be- Belichick not calling timeout in Super Bowl 49 as the clock was winding down, right? Everybody, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, everybody said, call timeout, Bill, call timeout. I did. I was screaming for him to call timeout. And the non-obvious thing to do was to not because – at the end of the day, after we learned what happened, Bill saw they were disorganized and their lack of organization maybe perhaps attributed to the interception. Yeah, because it, it threw, them, threw them off the game, didn't it? I, I remember reading that part in, in your book, and it, it's so true that always, you know, the old adage is just uh, expect the unexpected, but no one ever does expect the, the unexpected. Or yeah. as the British would say over here, never expect the, uh, the Spanish Inquisition. I think it's, 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 and people think it's a born, people think, you know, Steve Jobs had it, Walt Disney had it, you know, and, you know, Jeff Bezos has it, Bill Belichick has it, Alex Ferguson has it, when in reality, it's a way of observation. And that's really what the next book's about, is how we observe things, and how we can make better decisions in terms of our observations, and how we process the information, you know. We we have to see it, we have to study it, we have to scream it, and we have to, you know, be successful. And those three S's, four S's really are the essence of what the book's about. I'm definitely going to buy this book. I consider myself to observe almost everything that happens in a daily basis, almost too much, really. So this sounds right up my avenue. So I'm definitely going to be checking this one out. But Michael, how did you get into football and being a scout and in the front office in the first place? Well, you know, I grew up in this little beach town called Ocean City, New Jersey, which is right on the Atlantic Ocean and in the southern part of New Jersey. And there was this guy who was singing songs uh, 60 miles north of me telling me to get out of this town that tramps like us were born to run and chase your dream. And my dream was always to be in the National Football League. 
it was always to be kind of like the guy that I saw on television that had the same last name as I did, but I wasn't related. So I just, at an early age, I knew I wanted to be in football. And I planned my course in life. You know, I went to college. I went to, I went to military academy. Then I went to college with the idea that I was going to get in somehow. And I got a job at UNLV as an unpaid assistant. I worked my way up to a full-time salary of about $9,000. And then I got a lucky break to be Bill Walsh's, uh, Bill Walsh's driver, basically, his gopher. And it was the greatest job I ever had. I got to drive him around. I got to learn from him. I got to study things. And I was part of a successful organization the minute I stepped foot in the National Football League. So it was a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. But I think it was one that I was empowered to make by the voices that I was listening to outside my world. That's uh, it's so inspiring. I love the fact you quoted the boss there. I know you're a big fan as well. So yeah. um, <laughs> no doubt, I know he's had a massive impact on, on your life. And anyone that's uh, read any of your articles or, or read the book or, or listened to you, you know uh, your affinity for him. Um, in terms of the, the Bill Walsh, because I know you get into it in the book, so I don't want to go into too many details because people should, if you haven't, uh, read it. I know a lot of people that have, but if you haven't, you should definitely go out and buy it because uh, you'll learn a great deal, not just about football, but just just things you'll take away into your everyday lives and jobs and, and everything. What, what what was it so special, obviously, to work with the talent and, and the people, but you, you talk in fondness about the car rides specifically and the, the time that you got with, with Bill Walsh. What, why was that so impactive on, on your life and, and, and sort of steered the, the path for you for what was to come, really? You know, it's a little bit like, you know, when you don't know anything and you're with a blank tape and somebody who's really an expert in the field starts to give you ideas and process things, you see the world completely differently. And Bill's perspective of how to teach, how to coach, how to be a GM, how to be a, how to build a football team was really different than most everybody in the National Football League. Bill was an outlier. Bill wasn't somebody who you know, was going to do something because everybody else did it. And that original thinking was part of those car conversations. And it spurred me to, to find life's lessons about leadership, Peter Drucker and Warren Bennis and the great Tom Peters. And so by doing that, I was able to try to mold myself into somebody that I didn't, that typically you do in universities here in America but I, I didn't really do it there. So I was able to basically go to school under the tutelage of the greatest coach. And he helped shape my mind. And because he and Belichick are so similar outside of their formal dress, that, that I, you know, when I met up with Belichick some nine years later or eight years later, it was like I was reliving Bill all over again and I was prepared for it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you, you've obviously worked with some incredible coaches and owners throughout your career in the NFL, but do you have a defining moment that you look back and think that was my absolute favorite or most satisfying moment? You know, I think when I look back now and I, as you take the long lens and, and we, we, we look for your career, I wish I would have stayed longer at the 49ers and stayed with Coach Walsh longer. I think I was, I was impatient, which most people in youth are. I wanted to learn. I thought I needed to go to a thousand places to learn as much as I could. That was completely wrong. Um, I should have stayed and just kept learning at the foot of it. Because what I've learned as I look back on life, and he told me this the first year I was with him, 
is there's very few people that know what they're doing in the league. That's why there's such parity. That's why there's so many why teams dominate and others don't. And so uh, as I look back and I reflect, you know, there was a sense of, of uh, urgency in what I wanted to do. And every time I hear Billy Joel sing Vienna Waits for Me, I think about that I wish I would have heard that song then because, you know, slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. I think that ambition led me from led me to not really learning as much as I could earlier. I eventually got there, but I would have liked to have slowed the pace down. It's a great piece of advice because I, I, exactly the same. Like when you when you said that, there's a lot of that that resonated with me. And I think when you are, especially you know, in a in a results driven business, because I'm exactly the same. You sort of achieve something, whether it's part of a team or, or individually, and then you immediately think, right, I've done that, so I need to move on, or I need to to do something different in order to get better, or I need to get paid more money. Therefore, I need to go yeah. because I've earned that money and I'm not going to get that and actually when you reflect back a lot of those decisions are just short-term thinking and not thinking about the, the long-term view and you end up making real critical errors I've done that I've taken a job because it paid me you know 20 percent more salary and then turned out it was the worst decision I've ever made and left no six doubt. months later because it, it, it's just what happens you're right with impatience but just also that sense of entitlement that people feel like I've, I've achieved something now I deserve more and actually, right. it, it, it's not always the case. Yeah, I agree completely. I think as I look back, and you know, and, and, and I've had a wonderful career, and I've been blessed to be around some incredible people. But I think sometimes if patience is, is truly the virtue, you know, money, you, you chase something, you never stop chasing. And when you learn patience, you kind of take it in, and the world kind of helps you along the way, and you don't have to chase anything. No, I, I I agree entirely. So on that, then we've already given some sage advice to people that you know who would have thought ten minutes into a football podcast they can take something away and and apply it to their real lives. But uh, there you go, you always get something for free with with Five Yard Rush. But for for, for people who um, perhaps are listening to this, and we ask this question to a lot of our guests because of how successful they are. If you were to give one piece of advice to someone who's listening to this now and thinking. I really want to get into sports journalism or I want to, you know, do a blog or write or, you know, conduct trains for a living or, I don't, you know, whatever it is that they want to do, their real passion and hobby. What's the one piece of advice you, you would give to them to, to either get started or to, to plan that route to success? I think start. I think it's one step at a time. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing, the world's flat now. There's nothing that you can't do. You know, I can read the, 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 the London Times every morning, and you know, 20 years ago I couldn't. Do it. You know, the world's flat. If I want to write, I can write from a cubbyhole. I, I I don't have to be, you know, in, in in an office in Midtown Manhattan, and I can send my stuff out electronically, and people will read it. And if I want to conduct trains, I can go do that. I can go online and read about it. I can educate myself. There's just this incredible amount of information. The world is a is a huge place, but it's also the size of, inside of the size of your pocket. If you, if you look at it that way, so everything is is within within your fingertips grasp. Michael, it'd be remiss of me to of me sorry to not ask you about Tom Brady because Murph is a massive Bucks fan. How how do you think he's going to get on down in Tampa? You know, I I think look, I love Tom. I've won two Super Bowls because of Tom. I think Father Time will always eventually win. I didn't think Tom played particularly well 
last year, you know, and some of it was related to Tom, some of it was related to the weapons. I think anytime you have this change, this dramatic change in your life, uh, you know, he's been in one system for 19 years. You know, I, I don't know how easy it is going to be as a transition to go to another system, which is diametrically different than the one he's been in for 19 years and how he prepared for games and what he did. I think it's going to be a challenge. I think that people are too far ahead of themselves on the Bucks. I, I want nothing but success for Tom, but I think this is going to be a very challenging year. Yeah, I, I, I can completely see that. I um, People keep thinking, you know, oh, the Bucks are going to win 11 games. And it's just a... It's it's not going to happen. Um, I am cautiously optimistic, especially with a seventh playoff spot, that there is a wild card opportunity available if if they do get things right. I think it's going to be a rough start, but I think if if we can get through the first, you know, eight or so games at no worse than three and five, then you you look at the rest of that schedule with the bye week factor, and you think, okay, there might be an opportunity, but. You know, it could also go completely wrong from the start and it'd be too much to do. Well, I mean, look, they won four games down the stretch last year, so they kind of started slow, as you said. And it's going to be hard for them to start fast, especially with, you know, Tom's a guy who's very much about trust and comfort. And without having OTA days, without having mini camps, it's going to be hard to get on the same page with everybody. And Tom's not one of these guys that'll just let it rip. Like, He's just not going to let the ball leave his hand and say, oh, well, somebody's got to make a play if it's an interception. He's very careful about throwing interceptions. That's what makes him so great. And Bruce's offense is a little bit of just let it rip, you know, spit twice, let's go, baby, you know, and uh, let's swing for the fences. That, that typically isn't who Tom wants to be or is. It's going to be exciting, though. It's nice to have a, a change. Uh, I think the biggest thing that he will do, regardless of whether the Bucks are – quote-unquote successful um is you'll change the culture and the, the culture needs a complete reset there because it's 10 11 years of of losing with one season in there uh, of wins or two actually but it's just i remember watching dirt cutters bucks that that second the last season they lost 15 to 3 to the redskins despite putting up 500 yards and um everyone was in the locker room laughing and joking. You got a guy like JPP going like, what is this? Like yeah. you've just, you've embarrassed yourselves. Why are you out here laughing, playing ping pong in front of the press? Like, does this not hurt you? And and I think that the, the coaching staff last year put some accountability on, they cut a former first round pick. But I think if Tom, you know, regardless of whether it's an instant success now, I think he'll have huge implications on that, on that organization moving forward. I, I like to think so, yeah. I think he's going to, you know, because where the Bucks are and how they behave, it would be about the same distance between me and you right now in terms of how the Patriots think and behave. I mean, they're going to have to catch up. It's a long, long way to go based on where they've been, and they're going to have to really dedicate themselves because the Patriot way and the old Buck way are completely opposite. So quickly on that then how do you think the patriots are going to are going to be without tom brady under center now i mean it's it's been a few years yeah 19 of them you know i think they're going to be different i think you know teams knew tom wanted to throw the ball in the middle of the field i mean if you just look at a football field and, and if you can see where they line the numbers anywhere from the numbers inside to the middle of the field that's was the brady strike zone and people defended that and they said throw the ball outside if you can beat us 
I think New England will start to be able to throw the ball a little bit more outside. I think they'll probably turn the ball over. I think they'll start slower than they typically have in the past. But one thing about Belichick, it's all about the three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And I think they'll try to win at least two of those three phases, and they won't lose games. I mean, Belichick's biggest preach point is, look, we have to avoid losing before we can win. And I think that's the challenge for Jarrett Stidham. He's got to go out there, play well, not make mistakes, help them win, but don't lose the game. I think it's it's fascinating. It's going to be a great season. I think there's more optimism now. It's going to happen, and hopefully in its entirety. So I can't wait to to play play it out. But sort of almost in a slight rewind. Um, one thing that UK fans are really obsessed here, and I think a lot more than than US fans from from my experience of having lived in in both countries is that UK fans just can't get enough of the of the draft. They absolutely love the draft here. Um, mm you know, 14, 18 hours of coverage that they'll sit there and watch it. And um, you were obviously part of a few. So, you know, what's it actually like being in a, in a draft room and, and what draft days like you talk a, a little bit for it and share some insights? You know, I, th- I think people have such a misconception of the draft, right? So the draft's all about elimination. Most people's draft board only has maybe 120 names on it, you know, and even though there's 200 and some picks in the draft, you know, typically most draft boards will range between 120 and 100 players. And so you basically build a board that you feel like you feel like will help your team. You're not looking to help the rest of the National Football League. And everybody's grades are different. Everybody's kind of sees players a different way. So it's really about elimination. And I think the number one thing you have to tell yourself in the draft room is that I, I, I'm not going to be able to fall. I don't want to fall in love with anybody. I want to be disciplined about what I'm doing. I want to be able to react to it. I don't want to have to be desperate. Uh, you know, I want to be able to make sound decisions based on the value of what I'm getting and what I'm deciding to do. So it should be small. The ones I've been in, especially with Belichick, have been really small. It always requires one thinker, Belichick, making the decisions, measuring the board. Because I think what fans lose sight of is there's two draft boards, right? There's the draft, what we call the vertical board, which is the players at the position of where they play. They're lined up vertically. Then there's the horizontal board, which is how the players relate to other positions. For example, how if I graded a, an offensive tackle of 64 and there's a defensive back at 64, who's the better player? That's the horizontal board, right? And someone has to be able to figure out who's, who's the better player on the horizontal board as opposed to the vertical. And that's the challenge in the draft room. That's where really one, two, three people at the most can make that decision. Like, who's better? Who do I get more value out of? This player at 63 or that player at another position at 63? And we say, well, just go with your team needs. Well, that's not necessarily always the case because one thing we do know is that if both players are graded 63, they're probably not the same player. Someone's better. And someone's got to make that decision. So with, with that making a decision, is is there a player you've thought that that's my favorite draft pick of all time that we made? Is Or is there a biggest regret, maybe, if you've got one of those? Oh, I got a lot of them. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I have so many. We drafted Mingo in Cleveland. I was disappointed that, you know, we, we he didn't to be the player I thought he could be in terms of rushing with power. I disappointed myself in that. I think in the third round of that draft, I really loved Logan Ryan. And I was the only one in the building who loved Logan Ryan. And so, because I thought Logan Ryan had a back door, 
you know, Logan Ryan couldn't run fast and he had a, I thought he could go play free safety and he's played much better in his career. We drafted a kid named Leon McFadden who wasn't nearly as good as, as there. So, you know, I think those are the mistakes you make, you regret. You always have that, that, that other, but what happens is when you have too many people involved, when you have way too many people involved in the decision-making, you, the decisions end up getting really bad. And I think the best thing about what New England's able to do is they streamline that. Look, we're just picking, you know, there's not everybody's involved in a decision. And then you can have a lot better drafts. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, you pick him in the second round, you know, you feel really comfortable. People say, well, you, you, you guys missed on Dominic Easley. Well, we took a chance on Easley with his knee. He was a dominant player. He just couldn't stay healthy. And that's what happens at times. You know, when you're picking 32, sometimes you take some risk. Sometimes you take some chances. So, uh, you know, I think I think one thing about the draft is you, you have to learn from every single one of your mistakes and move on. Yeah. And then uh, and one last question about the draft room. Is it all business 100% of the time, or do you get slightly excited at the prospect of it being draft day and being in the war room and, and you're on the clock? And it, it must be quite exciting being in that at the moment, right? Yeah, you are excited. You're hoping for the way it goes out. I mean, you've rehearsed it. You're looking at it, you know, you're taking a test. So you don't want to really be in a situation where you're taking a test and you, you're, you're not focused and concentrating. You have to really stay and try to anticipate moves. And I think you've got to really understand, you know, if you think you're going to get player Y at 40, you know, just because you're at 36 and player, you know, I mean, look, we sat there in, in 1984 when we drafted Jerry Rice, you know, we thought we were going to get either Jerry Rice, Eddie Brown or, or uh, Al Toon. And by the time we came time to pick, there was just one receiver. So we picked Bryce, you know, and that happened to be the best pick of all. But, you know, had it been another way, we might have picked Eddie Brown. So you have to stay focused and concentrate. And that's why I think less people in the room help you do that. That's that's fascinating. One one final question then, um, Michael is, I you know listening to the GM Shuffle. I, I listen to it all the time. It's a it's a fantastic podcast. You, when you were talking about this year's draft and the draft coverage, um, you were kind of positive and critical about it. Um, and you mentioned that there's some real insights that could be learned or that you would like to see delivered from draft coverage that will really help improve the the viewing experience. What are some of those in terms of maybe for people who are quite new to the NFL, especially in the UK, we've got new fans joining every single day, uh, NFL coverage, and, and are just starting to learn about the draft and learning about prospects. What, what are some things that they can do that can really enhance the experience of, of watching the draft and, and getting the most out of it? Well, I, I think the problem I have with it is a lot of the people that cover the draft, meaning a lot of the players have never drafted. You know, they've never been in a draft and they've never built a draft board. They'll never talk about the horizontal or the vertical board. They just talk about how great the player is. Every, I mean, there was 256 picks. Did you hear a bad pick by anybody? Everybody made great picks, you know. It ain't all great, you know. And so, like in the seventh round, when the, when the, when the Saints, who had basically were off for the – were done, and they traded a sixth-round pick to a team to pick Tommy Stevens in the seventh, the reason they had to do that, it came out four days later, I said it on my podcast the next day. It's because there was a team going to do a deal with the kid as a free agent. And so that's information that the fans need to know about. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, Isaiah Simmons. I mean, you know, Detroit was trying to, uh, excuse me, Carolina had a chance to trade with Atlanta. They couldn't do it. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes 
that people aren't getting privy to because most of the time it's not it's not fair to the point. Most of the times the players have no idea. Ozzie Newsom told me 30 years ago, you know, when I came upstairs the first time, I had no idea what went on up here. And just because you know the position, you don't understand how the, how a draft works or how things happen, you know, and, you know, why did they take Jordan Love? Well, maybe they didn't have anybody graded high enough on their board and they had to take Jordan Love. You know, it's just because it's Mel's board doesn't mean it's the right one. You know, it's you have to understand everybody's board's different. So I wish they had somebody who understood it in the room, you know, and that really had made trades on draft day that have done it and understood what's going on. And, and like you could just see like Jerry, for example, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. I'm watching on my couch just like everybody else. And I saw his face and I knew he was sitting in a situation that he never expected C.D. Lamb to be there. In fact, I tweeted it out, you know, and we need to, you know, you could just see by his face that this was not a scenario he had expected. You know, they were, they were thinking about picking Chase on. They had trade offers on the table. You could see there was a lot of things going on on that ship, on that yacht, that we didn't get privy to. And I think because of that, the observation of what we're seeing, the fans need to see that. They don't know either. I mean, they've never seen the draft you know, and I think that we could do a better job with that. Well, maybe you and Adnan can, if no one decides to pick you two up and put you on a network, maybe you two can do a live video next year for everybody and uh, I, I and show I, these guys up. I, I would love to do that. I think it would be, you know, it would be insightful in the sense that we as fans need to know. It's just like we as fans need to know about the game. You know what I find fascinating? I mean, I don't get credit for it, but when I hear Chris Fowler talking about the middle eight, you know, nobody talked about the middle eight until I wrote it in Gridiron Genius. Did you ever hear that term used before? You know, of course not. And so, you know, it's like there's so much going on in a football game that we don't get to experience because, you know, they just don't know. They literally just don't know. And so when they could, you know, take something like the middle eight that they can transfer in, all of a sudden, you know, they look like they really studied the game when, in fact, you know, they didn't even give me credit for saying that. <laughs> That's when you know you've hit the big time when uh, when everybody's ripping off your work your and passing it as your own. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they I love it. It's great. Yeah, I, I love it when they say it too because I get a bunch of people. Hey, Chris Fowler just said middle eight on TV, or somebody just said. Uh, I, I think uh, what was it? somebody was talking about. Uh, oh, Chris Felica sent a tweet about Barstool. He was playing his computer games and his computer coach dominated the middle eight. I mean, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> that's so good Michael listen this has been an absolute blast thank you so much for coming on why don't you uh, let Rush Nation know where they can find you your work and your podcast well you can find me on the GM Shuffle on anywhere you get your podcast me and Adnan Burke that comes out once a week now uh, I, I do Beeston uh, which is Vegas Stats and Information Network which is on Sirius Radio if you get it there I write every morning along with George George Raveling and, and Kamadi Ramsey and Alex Savario uh, we write for the uh, Daily Coach, which is a which is a, an email basically centered for leaders to try to help leadership. And so that you get that in your mailbox every day if you want to sign up for that. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at M Lombardi or Instagram M Lombardi NFL, and that's where I am. So I'm out there. That's awesome. And you do interact and you do post really good content so people should. And then also you've got your book coming out and we eagerly look forward to, to that one being released. But thank you so much for coming on. This has been, uh, it's been a real lesson and uh, education and just insightful. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. You too. Thank you. Well, that was that was awesome. That was just a a really really great conversation with someone who I really admire, and I know that he is a polarizing figure at times on on Twitter and on his podcast. Um, I think for me, the biggest shock is he kept that clean. <laughs> Yeah, I was massively worried that when I listened to the GM shuffle this morning, there's like F-bombs drop in and all sorts. I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to take me hours to edit. But in the true professional style that he, he obviously is from, from our interview there, he, he kept it clean. He's obviously seen on iTunes that we are a family podcast. So <laughs> kudos to you, Michael. But yeah, that, he does his research. No, it, it was great and learning so much about the insight. And if you've not read Great Iron Genius, definitely do. Um, I think you can get it on Amazon for, for 10 quid now and uh, definitely, definitely go and read it. I was recommending it to someone who I work with the other day. I said, you don't need to be in the football to enjoy it. I mean, it'd be helpful. Like you'll probably get more out of it, but if not, you should definitely go and read it because it's a, it's a phenomenal book. And uh, there's also a, a, another book that's dropping on Amazon soon, isn't there? <laughs> Damn straight, son. The uh, yeah, we we got a paperback coming out, boys and girls. It's it's gonna be fourteen ninety nine on the Amazon marketplace. There's also a Kindle version, so if you do want to get it on the Kindle, it's on Amazon. Uh, spoiler alert: it is cheaper if you buy it through us on the website. So yeah, then and, and it's pretty simple to switch over to your Kindle that way. I think you just email it to yourself, right, Murph, or something like that. That's right. When you, if you've got a Kindle, you have a personalized uh, email address that goes with your Kindle. Um, and it's whatever your username is at kindle.com. Um, if you don't know how to do it, you can set it on your uh, Amazon account. Um, and then what you do is you just email the PDF to yourself and then the, the, it appears up in there. You don't get the nice, pretty cover graphic that you would normally get with a book, but you know, for the money that you'll save, um, you get all the content and you get everything else. So, you know, but <laughs> just, just uh, set the expectation. It's worth it. Um, and yes, the paperback is, is more expensive uh, printing costs and everything. We, we actually weren't originally going to do it, but um, with Amazon covered the printing. Yeah. It was a Brucey bonus that Amazon offered us. So we couldn't turn it down, but yeah, if you, and it's good as well, cause it got matte paper in it. So if you want to write or highlight anything in it, it's not going to be, it's not going to reject your pen, shall we say, it will, uh, it will lap up the ink that you will undoubtedly write on the pages. But yeah, if you honestly though, if you do want the PDF or ebook version, buy it through the site, not through Amazon because it's cheaper for you. So just a friendly tip. And it's still five ninety nine, even though we've released it, it's still five ninety nine through till Monday. So before Monday. So this weekend. So it's payday weekend. Take advantage of it. Pay five ninety nine. That's the lowest price um that, that we're doing. Um but we will send you the book. So we will send it this weekend. Um I'll, I'll be online a few times a day to to send it out. We got an order earlier. Um they got it out within about an hour so you know we will get it out and then from from monday it'll be automatic download so you can get ahead of the game if you're in any drafts this weekend buy the book uh get one step ahead of the game and uh and use the playbook because it's it's there to help you win leagues the the feedback that we've received has been phenomenal um really heartfelt and touched by the people who have taken the time to write back to us and tell us that they've really found it fascinating that they weren't expecting it to be 
uh, as long as it is. It is 300 pages, um, which shocks people every time they kind of open it. It's like, you can't buy a 300-page book for, for £6 anymore. So maybe you can. Maybe you can get one of these discount bargain bins, which ours will probably be in in a couple of months. But, steady, uh, steady. <laughs> I actually also think this is on Kindle Unlimited, if I read the email correctly, which means actually you, if you sign up to Kindle Unlimited for a trial, you can actually read the book for free, and we still get money for it. Oh yeah, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. <laughs> but just make sure you just make sure you read to the end, because otherwise then we don't get the the money apparently, or portion of it. So yeah, just buy it through the website. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah, definitely buy it through the website. It's cheaper, and um, you know we'll we'll do some promo codes every now and again to reduce the the seven ninety nine price from from Monday. Um, and if you follow some of the partners or people that we have had on this podcast, they have exclusive codes as well. Marveloso. We should do the uh, reverse in the beginning, Murph. How you doing, mate? It's Friday. Oh, yeah. No, we so got into it. Um, yeah, Friday, it's always good to get to a Friday. We don't do any Friday pots. We've done a couple recently, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good to get to the end of the week. I'm, it's been a good week at work. Worked hard. We got the book out. We got into the Scottfish Bowl um it's it's been an awesome week actually i can't i can't knock it it's probably been my favorite week of, of lockdown well there you go you oh yeah good i mean i got i had to clean the wagon today and that took me two hours which was ridiculous because i lockdown was not kind to my truck so i had to really scrub it hard to get it back to black but i did but i got fairly sunburned in the process <laughs> so, swings and roundabouts so, you know you've got to break an egg to make an omelet so you are fire friend i can see it through through the camera how how red you are you're redder than me that's quite quite <laughs> impressive because i go i get red pretty easily and not just through the sun my friends just through anything yeah very true uh, very true i always have a red glow but no we're, we're in the scott fish bowl again massive thanks to scott and, and ryan for uh allowing us to participate it's a it's a really cool honor they're still allowing people to apply they haven't even sent out 50 percent of the um invites yet so get onto scottfishbowl.com if you're thinking right that sounds cool um if you want to know how cool it is listen to some of our episodes last year and some of the people that we met through it um because it's awesome and we're now playing in a league in a dynasty league that we started this week um in with a couple of people that we've either played with in the scottfish bowl or we know directly because of people we play with in the scottfish bowl and they're good friends so yeah no more dynasty leagues Murph said away back i'm pretty sure this is like four or five now extra that we've joined it first of all it's three and second of all <laughs> second of all this is quite common you've even you've got to admit that it's kind of a special no, dynasty. No, it's not special because it's superflex and people are taking quarterbacks in the first round. Just because it's superflex, don't have to take quarterbacks so early. Well, well, when you look at the roster of the people that are, are playing in this dynasty league, it's one I never thought we'd play it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, oh boy, we are really like the small fishes in the pond in in this league. Um, I don't know if we should tell people who's in it or not. Oh, wait, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it as a as a spoiler for next a teaser. Time, yeah. There's some, it's always something to talk there's about. some big fish but yes definitely some big fish um but yeah uh, enjoy weekend uh everyone stay safe wash those hands um i hear lots of people are having barbecues and stuff with loads of people this weekend um the lockdown rules don't change till monday just uh fyi i don't have six friends so, <laughs> Shut uh, up. Yes, I'm, you I'm do. <laughs> I'm 
no curmudgeon. I don't know. I have six friends. I have you. I have you, and I can't see you, and uh, and that's about it. And my wife and, and my kid. Um, half the reason we had the kid was just so I had some more company. <laughs> Oh, this is too much. This is too much. Ah, <laughs> oh, Rush Nation. You can tell them in the good mood. It's Friday night. Even had a Absolutely beer. more. The boy is killing it out there. Rush Nation, this has been an absolute blast. We massively thank you for anybody who has purchased the book. Our, uh, side note on the book, if you purchased merchandise or garb with the book, it turned up today. So I will be shipping them probably next week if I can find a post office near me that is open because they all apparently appear to be closed. So I've got to Google the bejesus out of that and uh yeah if you ordered a jumper i've got it a t-shirt i've got it a hoodie i've got it a book you've already got those they will be coming to you next week but we massively appreciate all the love for the book not to mention our competition winners uh we announced our four competition winners so simon austin got the the mini helmet that we have sent and that should be there hopefully next week lewis uh, venus has won his uh, Minnesota Vikings hat that was his choice and he's already got it we only announced it yesterday that's how we follow through um, and then your good friend Michael Jessup won the t-shirt um, and then Jack Jack won the refund and shout out to to Jack um, for two things one he decided that rather than take the refund to donate it to charity so uh, we have gone ahead and done that um, but second of all he shaved all his hair off and he looks great yeah I saw that I didn't know if it was real or not. No, he did. He did that. Um, he gave me a video call as soon as he did it um, with um, a mutual boss of ours. Um, even though we never worked together, I put him in touch with my old boss and he worked for him for a while. Um, and we had a little group chat for five minutes last night and he showed it off. He, look, he looks great. He looks younger. He looks, he looks good. I'm not doing the same. No, me neither. <laughs> Kudos, Jack, but you're on your own there, son. All day long. Right, Rush Nation. As Murph said, don't forget to keep socially distancing, washing those hands and staying safe. Big man, you enjoy the l- glorious w- weather this weekend. Thanks, mate. You too. Michael Lombardi, I know you're not here anymore, but we appreciate your time and uh, we definitely have to tap him up for a slightly longer version, but he is a busy man. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it was a lesson in football. And uh, I'm going to go out and, and read Gridiron Genius again, just because I can. Right, Rush Nation. Until next Tuesday, which I'm sure is going to be another absolute rodeo of a show. We've got a good guest. Good guest Tuesday. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So until Tuesday, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.